Listen up. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the podcast participants and not to any participant's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. You know, for fun. So lighten up and enjoy. Stomping Jen. Sawtooth. Right. Here we are again. I am really excited for this episode. Mm. We have not only a friend mm-hmm. of the podcast returning, a personal friend of ours, um, but also a thought leader and um, writer, um, Chanel Dubofsky, who lives in Brooklyn, New York. Um, she writes on gender, sexuality, reproductive health, and justice, um, popular culture, religion, and her writing right, has mm-hmm. been found in New York Magazine, Lilith, Rewire, Cosmopolitan, so many things, <laughs> right? Yes. And we are going to be talking to her about um, what is called the child-free choice, right? And we're going to be talking about um, women who make the choice not to have children, Okay. I think this is going to be a great conversation. I'm excited. Are you? Let's get started. Let's get going. Okay. The Soft Serve Podcast. Creamy, delicious ideas without the creepy truck. Now, Stomping Jen. Yes. I neglected to mention also that one of the other reasons um, Chanel Dubofsky is here to talk with us is she's going to be appearing in an upcoming film. Mm-hmm. Okay, by Therese Schechter. Therese. Therese Schechter, thank you. I knew I was going <laughs> to not be able to pronounce it correctly. That's okay called My So-Called Selfish Life. I love that right? name. Yeah, and it's about um, women who make the child-free choice, right? So to talk to us about that, and without further ado, let's say hello to Chanel. Hi, Chanel. Hello. Hello, hello. Hi. Thank you for <laughs> joining us. I'm really excited sure. to have you here. Um, I mentioned before, we have... N- known each other um both on this podcast you've mm-hmm. been a previous guest here and we have been friends for how many years 25 25 lot, years yeah, yeah. <laughs> 25 years and like i was thinking before we did this podcast <laughs> right like i wish i could get in a time machine yeah right i wish i could get into a time machine and go back and tell all of the awesome people like you i knew back then how awesome you were going to be now <laughs> I love that. I yeah. agree. Yeah. Like, just like, keep mm-hmm. going. I met you in 2021, and you kick ass, and you're awesome. So, um, <laughs> we're, yeah, <laughs> anyways. Um, so, 
I want to give you an opportunity just to tell us a little bit more about yourself, add any, add anything to what I said, um, and just kind of do your, your, um, elevator pitch for, um, what you're doing, what you're up to. Sure. Um, Let's see, what am I up to? So I live in Brooklyn, New York, um, and I write, yeah, everything you said. I write about pop culture, religion, um, specifically Judaism um, when it comes to religion, feminism, uh, all those other things that sort of fall under that umbrella. Um, I also write about true crime podcasts, which is a kind of a new job, which is like one of my favorite jobs. That's <laughs> awesome. And what else? No, you got it. That's that's what I do. Okay. And right. you're here you're here to talk to us about child free by choice. And mm-hmm. I mentioned you're gonna be appearing in an upcoming documentary film about this subject. And I think a good place to start is for the people listening to this who may not even know what we mean when we say child free by choice. Could you talk a little bit about mm-hmm. what that is? Yeah, it's a really important question. Um, I think that there is a really, uh, it's really important to to, def- to define child free by choice um, and also to define what it means to be childless because I think we often uh, sort of collide those two things and they're not the same thing. Child free by choice is people who choose not to have children, um, an active choice, whereas childless um, implies that one would like to parent and for whatever reason is not able to, or yeah, it's like not working out. Um, Mm -hmm. But they often get uh, used synonymously and it's actually like a huge, it's a huge pet peeve of mine, but it's also a huge problem um, because what we're talking about are two very distinctly different groups of people and how they are in the world and how they move through the world and how they're seen. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. And yeah. I don't think that that difference might be intuitive for a lot of people. I have to confess, as I was prepping for our conversation, I don't think I was clearly delineating that difference in my own mind. So I'm really grateful mm-hmm. that you drew that distinction for mm-hmm. us. I think that's important. Yeah. And you know, before we were talking, um, mm-hmm. before we started recording, we were talking a little bit, and I was telling you, Stomping Jen, um, and you, Chanel, that, you know, I want to name a little bit of awkwardness I'm feeling in having this conversation, because I really want to focus this on the impact of child-free by choice on women, mm-hmm. right? Um and it may come as no surprise. It may come as a surprise to you both. I am not a woman. You're not. No. <laughs> um, oh goodness. So I, I just, I just kind of wanted to um, just name kind of some of the lack of authenticity that I'm feeling around uh, maybe some of the impact of uh, what we're talking about has on the people who are experiencing mm. it, right? Sure. And. I'm going to be relying on you both to help guide me if I get off course, oh, right? We'll guide you. Okay. Don't worry about no that. <laughs> Thank you. Anyways, I just I just wanted to acknowledge that because right. I'm not a woman. I haven't lived in this world as a woman, mm-hmm. and um, I'm gonna. But I'm gonna do my best to ask. I think the important questions, but I may miss some, mm-hmm. right? And you, you two, um, uh, as women, may have better questions or points you want to make. So I invite you to please 
steamroll me if you need to. Okay. Noted. All right. Awesome. All right. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> um, so, um, Stomping Jen, you yes. are not child free by choice. I am not child free by right? choice. Um, Chanel, are, are you somebody who identifies as child free by choice? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you is how often you are asked by somebody you've just met or barely know, do you have kids? Okay. So for me, this is like really a question of like this, the answer to this has changed a lot over time, right? Like I didn't really start running into people who asked me a lot if I had kids or when I was going to have kids until I started working in the organized Jewish community, um, mm-hmm. which I did for about 10 ish years. Um, in those spaces, it was sort of assumed, sorry, I'll back up, not sort of, it is assumed that you are on this very specific path that is laid out, that you will go to college, you will get married, you'll have children. That's like what it is. I don't, right. and not to say that's different from like the rest of the world, but in the Jewish communal world, there's basically no, I never met anybody who diverted from that space, from that path. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'll tell you a story when I moved to New York, I moved to New York in 20 in 2006 and I went to this like salon for this, this magazine. Um, and the topic was Jewish continuity, I think. And the person who was leading the salon said, uh, does anyone in this room think they don't want to have kids? And I was like, oh yeah, that's me. I don't want to have kids. And I raised my hand. Mm-hmm. And in retrospect, we were talking about going back in time and like, you know, seeing ourselves. Like if I could go back in time, I would be like, put your freaking hand down. <laughs> this is not this. I didn't, I didn't know. I right. didn't know that this was like yeah. not the time. Right. And so the person who was facilitating the salon, who asked the question, which in retrospect, why are you asking that question? Um, was looked at me and was like, I can't believe you don't want to have kids. Why don't you want to have kids? And you know, I, I sort of, I bookmarked that moment in my head, um, as like real, a defining moment in like this, in my own narrative, um, and, you know, owning this identity. So long story short, um, people used to ask me all the time. And then I started writing about it and talking about it and yelling about it. Mm-hmm. And people stopped asking me, right. <laughs> if they'd read, they, I, they were like, okay, like, I get it. I've, I've heard, like, I know about you. Um, but the other thing that happened that made people stop asking is that I stopped hanging out. I, I like stopped working in the organized Jewish community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I stopped hanging out with people who, um, who even thought to ask that question, I guess. Like, you know, I started hanging out with more like, um, you know, I moved to Brooklyn and moved into this weird house where I live where, you know, nobody has kids and we're all making art and stuff like that. So, I just don't really traffic in those spaces anymore. And so it sort of never, it doesn't come up anymore. Yeah. Um, but it used to be like a really big sort of like elephant um, that, yeah, that I was sort of not dealing with every day, but just really like, yeah. Um, yeah. When facing you, a lot. When you raised your hand in that room all those years <laughs> ago, did you, did you suffer any repercussions because of it? Like, were you, uh, did people treat you differently or were you, did you feel isolated in some way? 
You know, I didn't feel, other than the reaction I got from that one person, like I don't remember anybody else reacting that way. But I do, in terms of repercussions, I mean, I think it opened my eyes to the fact that like I needed a role model. Like I needed, if I was going to stay in the Jewish communal world, I was going to need somebody who was, I was going to need to have another woman who was like politically on my same page, who didn't want to have kids who was it who was like not just like hadn't had kids yet right which is like another right. thing that you run into a lot is like oh you don't have kids oh when are you gonna have kids like I'm right. not going to no but you will one t- at one point like when you know there's all those sort of like what ifs like people sort of not people really don't believe you when you say you're child free by choice mm-hmm. um so I yeah I think like the repercussion was that I suddenly was like oh I am not this is not the right place right why do you think people don't believe you? What What is that? Because <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that seems like, that doesn't seem like the kind of question somebody would try to trick somebody over or maybe mm, even lie to them about. <laughs> just, you might <laughs> think that. Right. It's like, yeah, right. It's not, it's not like an easy path. Like why would, yeah. Um, I think a couple things. One is that I think um, women, uh, people who grow up as women are not, socialized to trust their own instincts. Um, so it's like, oh, you think you don't want this now, but you will. Right. Like you don't understand that like, you know. So one thing is I think the instincts, I really think people don't have, people either have, what do I want to say? Like, I don't think people are really able to imagine a different life. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so when, when people do and they live that life, it's really scary. I think it makes people like sort of turn around and go like, oh shit, like I could have done that. Right. But I didn't, I followed, I like, you know, I followed this particular course because it was, it was safe or it was expected. Or so I think like when people really, um, people really question that and then they just like flout it. Like I'm 42. It's been flouted. I'm not doing it. Right. Like it's not happening. Um, Not just because I'm 42 because I'm not doing it. Right. But like, uh, yeah, I think, I think it can be really threatening and people don't know what to do. Um, And then they just, yeah. No, I was just going to say like, I, I, I mean, I think that pathway, right. That like path that you describe, you know, in the Jewish communal like, space like that's just the natural progression that women grow up with um you know you 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 find somebody you get married you have children like you know i remember having these conversations with satu frank like oh you know like well you know get a house and you know well we'll we'll get married like i had a timeline in my head Mm -hmm, like we mm -hmm. get married then we get a house then we can have kids right like that was my timeline and yep i remember uh sati it's like you would say to me like well why do we have to do it in that order i'm like i don't know because that's just the way it should be Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. some internal indoctrination happens in society just naturally i think for women and there's not really another question I just want to also just very quickly interject. This is like the opposite of this like experience that you had at this salon, which mm-hmm. is when I was getting my MBA back in, uh, you know, years ago, I remember like b- being asked, well, where do you see yourself in five years? And, you know, I was sort of on the older side of the class and I said, you know, I see myself as having kids 
And they were like, well, why are you here <laughs> getting an MBA? You know, right. so it was like this like dichotomy, like of this concept of like women who want high powered quote unquote careers and, you know, having this work life balance, like having children and like, you know, what that means for a woman. I don't know. So I'm just, I'm throwing mm -hmm. a giant topic mm -hmm. bomb into this conversation, yeah. but. And I, and I think we'll get into that. And um, so when somebody says that, ask that question um, to you, Chanel, you know, mm. do you have kids? Like if you get that question now, how do you answer that? Do you, do you just like politely say no? Or do you, do you address the kind of assumption that somebody might be making beneath that question? Or like, have you, no. if you come up with a way that you, you handle those types of scenarios? It's funny. You think I would have. Okay. Well, I mean, I think that since I sort of have transitioned into like another like life kind of space, I'm like the people I spend the most time with now are, are other writers. And we've gotten to know each other in this really crazy intimate way where, you know, like, like you can see the inside of their soul, right? Because you read their writing, mm -hmm. but you don't know like what their job is or like you don't know if they have kids. So you're finding out all this really like basic shit about them after the fact. So I don't really, I don't really get asked that question a lot anymore, but I do, I do actively try to correct people's assumptions. Like when people say like, um, oh, uh, it's like, I want to have a family. And I think like, okay, well, what does that mean to you? Does that mean children? Does that mean you want to have like people around you that you love? Does that mean friends? Does that mean a partner? Like what is, we talk about family. It doesn't necessarily mean creating offspring, right? It doesn't mm -hmm. mean like parenting. It means, it means, I mean, it could mean a lot of things. It could mean intimacy. It could mean, you know, mm -hmm finding strength in others, stuff like that. Like, so I, I try to like really, really challenge people on, um, on their assumptions about, uh, about, about life, right? Like about like, you know, what does it mean when people say like, uh, uh, I, I often hear people say like, oh, well, you know, I, I put all this time into my family. And so now it's my time. And it really kills me when people say that mm -hmm. when women, not people, when women say that, cause I don't hear that a lot from men. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, off, I like, I, it, it's, it's like really unsettling to me that there's this dichotomy between like yourself and your kids. Um, and that you can't, that there's something, I don't know, that like you've prevented yourself or something has prevented you or <laughs> patriarchy has prevented you from like investing in yourself. Yeah, it almost hearing that it almost sounds to me like there's some kind of um, subconscious acknowledgement there that maybe they weren't somebody wasn't living the life they really wanted to or something. That's exactly. how it like that's how I'm hearing it. Mm -hmm. That's exactly that's what, exactly yeah. what I think too when that happens. Yeah, yeah. And so, what are um, what are some of the reasons um, a woman might deliberately decide not to have children? And I, and I know they're a long list. Sure. I mean, I can, I can tell, I'll tell you my reasons. Okay. That's great. <laughs> um, uh, which I think are, are kind of not the, re I mean, whatever. I don't want to say like everybody, my reasons are everybody's reasons, but I think that my reasons um, do represent a lot of, uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a lot of women. Um, okay. I, I also want to say like, I think that 
the reasons for not having kids are simple and complicated, right? Like some of mine are like, I don't want to be a parent. I don't want to like, I don't want to be pregnant, for example, which I know is like not the same thing as parenting, Mm -hmm. but you know, I don't, um, I don't want to, I don't want to be a caretaker. I will Mm -hmm. say that. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, you guys knew me in college. So, you know, that like my mom died when I was in college. Um, and for a lot of her life, I was her emotional caretaker and that's not an experience I ever want to have again. If I can, you know, I think that like, I think being a parent is obviously different from being like a partner, right? Like I would caretake my partner Mm -hmm. if, if that was something that needed to be done. Um, but I'm not interested in like the project of parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that. I mean, I'll say it, I'll say that until I was maybe like 22, I thought that I would have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I say that, I mean, I thought I would have kids because that's what you did. It just sort of happened to you. Like marriage just sort of happens to you. You don't opt into it. It's something that you just kind of like trip over and end up married one day. It's like mm-hmm. what happens to everybody, this inevitability. And and it, and until the point where I realized that none of this shit is inevitable, I thought I would just kind of like go along with it. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of, I think a lot of women have the experience of realizing that you don't have to do it. And then once you realize you don't have to do it, it's like, oh my God, this opens up all of this other, all these other things that, that I could do now that I've realized that this thing is, I really truly don't want this. Like I am like a deep introvert. I'm like the, like the most pure of introverts. It doesn't seem like it, but I am, I can fake it. I can fake (laughs) other things, but like, but I, I I really am a true introvert. And I, I'm like, my alone time is like essential to being like a human, Mm -hmm. Um, you know? And I want, I don't know. I, I, I want to, I want my life to be about making stuff, you know, about art and writing. And um, I don't, I don't want I mean, I'll just go back. It's simple. Like, I don't want to do it. (laughs) Right. Like, like it's simple. And it's also has those complicated things of like, I don't want to, I don't want to be a caretaker. I don't want to parent. I don't want to spend years. I don't want to spend years being anxious. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like as a person, I mean, I often think of my decision to not have kids as like a form of self care. Mm -hmm. Like I, I am, I am a person who struggles with anxiety and depression and I don't want to, I don't want to undertake something that I know would exacerbate that. And that would actually cause me like really cause me like my, my quality of life to be not great. I don't mm-hmm. want to, I don't want to do that. And I, you know, I have always, I've always wanted to live a life that felt open and possible. Um, and I just don't see, I've never seen like parenting as being something that felt necessary or right or essential. I'll say that essential. Mm-hmm. I never really thought about it being as being as like essential to my identity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of this stuff opens up once we realize that uh, we, that these are, that these are options that you, you know, mm-hmm. like having a kid is an option, mm-hmm. not yeah. an assignment. Yeah. And it's interesting. Like, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking and reflecting on what you're saying um, against the the biological argument that you oh, hear yes. people put out there, like this idea that it motherhood is something innate. 
Yeah, I'm curious. Well, if you I'll tell you, that. I did this. I interviewed a bunch of people a few years ago for a story that actually never ran, because um, I really have this. I really thought about this and still think about this. Like, you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, just wait until you're like 36, and then your biological clock will start to tick, and you won't even be able to handle it. And you'll just like have to get pregnant, right? Mm-hmm. You'll just." the lust for the children and the babies and the smells and the feelings, whatever (laughs) Um, it'll just overtake you and you'll see. And I was like a little freaked out as I, as when I turned 35, because I was like, where is it? It's, is it, is it behind me? Can it see me? Is it coming? Like, like how, like, is there this thing that's just going to like jump on top of me and push aside all of my like plans and and aspirations and just like attack me and force me to breed like is that gonna happen (laughs) yeah um you know i really and so i you know in other words can that like alleged biological urge subsume us or do we have some kind of like ability to say like fuck no go away like I'm, i'm still choosing not to you know to not to do this even though you know it's it's apparently coming, but so I talked to a lot of, a lot of women about it. Um, and you know, the conclusion that I think we came to was not everybody has this desire, which I think we can say, yes, mm-hmm. it's, yes, that makes sense. Um, and the people who did have it, they didn't lose their minds. This isn't like, you know, women, women in their hormones they can't control themselves like this was people were able to like separate the desire Mm -hmm. from from the act from like actually going and doing the thing and I think that that's part of that idea that like we're just going to get like you know jumped in an alley by our hormones and like our biological (laughs) clock is is real messed up it's really it's really misogynistic you know it really like um it really forces when, like when you take that apart in your head and you're like, wait, this is, you know, this is actually something that I don't have to do. Even if my body is saying like, you know, do it, you can actually say like, actually uterus, I'm making a different choice and you mm-hmm. don't, you know, you don't control me. It's really, uh, it's, I don't know if that was a, a question that no, I just answered. No, it was a, just, it was a really good answer. Um, yeah. What are, so what are some of the, um, forces driving this social pressure um, that mm-hmm. women must have children to have a meaningful life and generate value for society. Because mm-hmm. I, I, as I was thinking about this, one that popped into my mind were the like economic capitalistic forces, right? Like exactly. I was, yep. I know they went bankrupt, but I was thinking about like babies, babies are us. us. Like yeah, the bi- biggest like, ripoff store that ever like existed. A billion, <laughs> like a billion dollar corporation that, mm-hmm. you know, spends a lot of money on convincing women yeah. that they should have babies. So like, so there's obviously like the capitalistic forces, but are there other forces and pressures in society that are creating this narrative? Yeah. I mean, I will, I will say, I think it's a couple of things. One is uh, in the context of Jewish communities, I think it's uh, there's this real, it, it's there's a cultural stuff, right? There's, it's mm-hmm. not just like, it is capitalism a thousand percent. Um, and I think it's also in the case of the Jewish community, um, really a, an example of how trauma has enacted itself upon upon Jewish communities, like, you know, you have to, this idea that like, you have to have kids so you can replace the kids that 
the the, the children mm-hmm. who were murdered by Hitler, right? That's something we hear all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to replace the six million. There's that idea. I so so in in uh, in culture, I think is a big force. Um, I think uh, pronatalism is this idea that uh, more children the better. Mm-hmm. Right? We everybody. Actually, not everybody. I'll correct that. White women um, yeah. should be having babies, right? So there's a white supremacy component of this too that has worked its way under our under us that um, we might not be aware of, uh, but is is pretty predominant. This idea that like there is a certain kind of person who should be having a baby, we should be having more than one baby, mm-hmm. um, which is a white, well-educated woman um, who has good genes. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, if you go on Instagram, which is like my favorite thing to do these days and look <laughs> up these, like the, the like mommy Instagram influencers. Oh yeah. The mommy like, bloggers. This is it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The mommy bloggers like, this is it. There are these, um, there's a fantastic article that just ran in Jewish currents about this, um, uh, this journalist who, when she was in quarantine in North Carolina, she started following all these Mormon mommy bloggers on Instagram. And she like kept really, she like was really in and like kept like aggressive track of them. She called them her mommies. It's a fantastic article. I can get you guys the link if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, those are like the, those folks are the folks that, that, uh, are urged to have children. It's not people of color. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, um, so yeah, culture, capitalism, white supremacy. Yeah. Um, I mean, patriarchy, of course, but I also think in the sense of uh, keeping women so focused on, on uh, staying the course, that's mm-hmm. the prescribed course, that you sort of don't look at, you're doing this, you're, you have blinders on, you're not seeing what's in the corner. You're not seeing like how insidious this is, right? You're not paying attention to how like, Work-life balance is impossible. Childcare is utterly unaffordable. Like you don't see that stuff mm-hmm. because you're doing the thing that you're assigned to do. It's like as soon as you get married, you talked about this a little. Like you begin to get pressure to have babies. <laughs> I I wanted to just touch yeah. on something that Chanel was yeah. just talking about with the social media, because these mommy <laughs> bloggers, right? So it's not only that they're blogging about their experiences, but they're making it look quote unquote effortless like these people they work out i'm sure they have like fashion they're like you know they're trying to sell market products to you so they make it look effortless that you can have children you can do what you want to do you can do your yoga classes you can do this that and the other thing and you're going to live a stress-free life, right? But the people who actually embark on this journey of being a parent mm-hmm. know that these are not truisms. These are off, you know, like finding that, you know, balance, you know, when you when you have like three toddlers that are under the age of five and, you know, <laughs> they want to rip their hair and postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. there's a host yeah, yeah. of like issues that women experience, you know, once they have children. Right, and what you're—I think what I what I'm hearing you say is the the uh, the image put out right. on social media doesn't reflect some of the realities right. of yes. having children that that might be legitimate reasons for some people right. to make it mm-hmm. uh, some women to make a child-free choice, choice yeah. right? Like, you know, I also think that uh, sometimes when I'm reading these these blogs, which I read sometimes. Um, 
you know, someone will say something or like, a, or maybe not the blogs, but like someone, a celebrity, for example, will come out and, and talk about how shitty it is to be pregnant, how she hates being pregnant. She never wants to do this again. This is so miserable. And it's really a huge risk for her to say that because then in the comments, you see all these people who are like, you know, I wish I could be pregnant. You know, you don't know how lucky you are. You're so ungrateful. You're, mm-hmm. you're this, you're that, you know? like, we don't talk about the reality of pregnancy mm-hmm. and I shouldn't be talking about the reality of pregnancy either. I've never been pregnant, but, but the reality of what you're doing, what, what happens to the body and the, and the, you know, your emotions and all these things that are real and dangerous. We don't talk about that. We don't do a good job of talking about that mm-hmm. um, because there is such a focus on like, you know, this like glowing pregnant woman with this like perfectly round body and like you know she's can't wait and there's like you know macrame shit in her nursery and whatever you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. um so um what are some of the negative um and unfair consequences um that women experience by making a child free choice Negative. Um, well, I think there's, again, this sort of comes in the terms of like the, the judgment from other people, right? Like yep. people are always saying to, um, they don't always say this to me, but they, this is often said, right? Like, um, a big one is who's going to take care of you when you're old. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite. Mm. Um, you know, you're going to be like this old crazy cat lady, which like, I'm in line for that. Like I'm, that's my aspiration. Um, <laughs> it's happening. It's making it happen. Um, you know, I do uh, see, I do see a cat behind you. I would... Oh, you do. Yeah. In the window. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you're oh, actually, I take it back. The, um, the one about who's going to take care of you when you're old is not my favorite. My favorite is you will never know what love is. Oh God. Um, that's a big one. Like you can't know what love is until you have a child. Um, another one is you're going to regret it, uh, which, yeah. Um, so I think a lot of that stuff is, is pushed on, um, it's pushed on folks who, who are child-free. Yeah. This idea that like, you can't really know what love really means until you have a child. Um, and yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't have a traditional job. I'm a freelance writer full time. Um, so I'm not in kind of like a traditional working space, but I do know that something that does happen to folks who are child free by choice is that they sort of end up taking up a lot of the, the slack for the folks in their office who have a family, right? Uh, Like, what does that mean? A family, right. right? Um, you know, you don't have a family, so you don't have to, you can work late, you know, all that, that kind of thing comes up too. Um, and yeah, I think also just this idea about a particularly toxic idea that I, I know that I've fallen into as a writer is this idea that like, if you don't have kids, you have to do something in your life that is as meaningful, you know, as like, like if you're not going to have children, like maybe you should, you should have written that novel already, or like you should go to med school or you should have a PhD or you should invent something because there's presumably this hole in your life, this like vacuum, right? Where, where like something bigger needs to be, which right. is capitalism. It's like pure capitalism. Right. Um, but I think that's that's a real uh, that's something that I think people have to deal with too. I mean, look, I defend I defend 
you're, everyone's right to do nothing in like a really deep way. Like if you don't, if you want to sit on your freaking couch and watch Netflix, like you don't have to earn that by doing something else. Do you know what I mean? Like you yeah. don't have to. Yeah. Right. I mean, I right. do think we have to earn our place on the planet by doing justice work, but that's a different <laughs> idea than like, you have to, you know, you right. have to accomplish something. Right. That if, that if you are child free, you are a rocket science, right? Like something, yeah. something big and huge and like impactful. And, and I that, think it's on the spectrum of the narrative of like, uh, that this isn't something that you could have possibly meant to do. Mm-hmm. Like you, you couldn't, you couldn't have, you couldn't have missed this on purpose. Right. Right. Like you must, um, you, you must've like forgotten or like you got too old or um, you're, you're infertile or something or like no man loves you or whatever, something, right. Like this couldn't have, you couldn't have chosen this. This must've just happened because you weren't paying attention or you didn't try hard enough or you weren't a woman in the right way. Yeah. Right. Right. What yeah. the hell does that mean? A woman in the right way. Yeah. I mean, you know, you 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 weren't pretty enough. I don't know you were pretty enough. You were too smart. You like know too many big words. You know, you yeah. you didn't participate in in patriarchy the way that you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. You know, all of those mm-hmm. really crappy things. It, and God, like I'm just I'm thinking about the type of person that would tell a woman who's choosing not to have children that um, they'll never know real love or like future shaming them by saying, you know, you're going to die old and alone. I like, love that future shaming. That yeah, is great. That's I just, a great term. I just thought of it. I'm going to give myself this. Yeah. Like I'm just, I'm just thinking about um, and, and kind of operating by the rule that I've, I've come to understand is that a lot of what, we say is really about ourselves, especially to other people, like what that means to those people, like Mm -hmm. what, what kind of deep pain and what kind of deep, um, you know, disturbance would underlie being able to say that to another person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just, I don't know. I'm just grappling with that stomping Mm. Jen. No, I think you're right. I think it's really about, um, a fear maybe is the right like Mm -hmm. just this 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 very uh intense suspicion of like that you missed out on something Mm -hmm. um or that you are just being perplexed by the idea that uh you would purposefully miss out on something that's that right it's not real um that it's like, you know, it's like, it's like everybody played by the rules and you didn't. And, and why is that okay? Yeah. So then we weaponize things like love and money, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and probably, you know, like a deep insecurity that they mm-hmm. made the wrong choice, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. or they're, they're seeing something right. in somebody who decided to make a different decision. Right. That, or maybe they're resentful towards who knows yeah. the person yeah. who made that choice and they didn't. Exactly. And- yeah. Um, it kind of is a, as a juxtaposition um, and are men who make a choice to be child free treated differently? 
I think I know the answer to this, and probably more favorably than women who make that choice, right? It's a really good question. I I wrote a piece about this a few years ago uh, for a cool magazine that doesn't exist anymore called The Toast. Uh, And I interviewed a bunch of child-free men. Mm -hmm. um, And I mean, the answer is, the answer is no, as in like, it didn't seem like child-free men were treated with like the ire that's sort of reserved for child-free women. But there was a lot of like questioning of masculinity, you know, like what, you know, like you're on this earth to like spread your seed. Mm-hmm. disgusting right so like <laughs> yeah. if you're not, if you're not doing that then what are you doing yeah. but there but there was also there was also sort of a uh and like of course your sexuality is questioned right if you don't right if you don't choose that um but but it was also much more excusable um because of these sort of gross tropes that we have about men we're like you know the ball and chain and like the wife and kids and all mm-hmm. that stuff like of course you don't want that that stuff like that's gross and horrible and will hold you back and stuff um so there so yeah it was it was a mixed bag but i don't think anywhere at all the the sort of um mystification or disgust that's reserved for for women who are child free Disgust. Yeah. Like I'm, yeah. I, I'm convinced that, you know, cause I, I do believe we're special creatures, right? Um, that, yeah. That we, we can, we have these intellects, we can think, we can mm-hmm. create our, we can do like amazing things. And I think most of our behavior as it manifests itself in the world um, is cultural, mm-hmm. right. Um, and learned. So one of the things I, I was curious about are are there are there cultures or societies either like historically or even right now like contemporarily that um, do um, chi- uh, child free by choice for women correctly like are there societies that treat <laughs> treat women well who make this choice? I'm just curious if we know of any. That's a really good question. And like, I mean, off the top, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, just to give you some time, maybe to think about it. Like one of the one of the things that pops into my mind is like is around um, how we treat trans people. And I know there were a lot of um, indigenous cultures that had spaces um, for people um, who are trans um, or a third gender. Yeah, or 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 mm-hmm. or. Um, non kind of binary right. genders, right? But th- there were, um, I guess what I'm saying there, we do have evidence of other um, cultures and societies being able to think outside of our, our the way we do things Quote now. Quote norms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm just mm-hmm. curious if you knew of any that um, come into your mind. That Such a good question. I mean, to that I can only say that, you know, the birth rate is dropping. Right. In the Mm. States. And I I believe, I Mm -hmm. don't think I'm wrong about that. It's definitely dropping in Europe, Mm -hmm. but I don't know that that's on purpose. I mean, I think it's, I think that's a lie. I think some of it is on purpose. I think the rest of it is because, um, at least in the United States, we're just so bad at supporting other humans in basic ass ways. Yeah. Right. Like we can't, we can't handle the idea of like maternity leave or paternity leave or parental yeah. leave or any of that stuff, healthcare, et cetera. That's a really good question. I don't know. I can't actually, I don't actually know if that is in the film, if Therese is going to covers any of that mm-hmm. in the film. 
um, yeah. I'm mean, speaking of the film, the, oh, yeah. the film that you appear in, um, how did you, how did you come to be involved in it in, in, in such that you appear in it? So Therese Schechter is someone I've been low sort of been low key stalking for a long time. Cause she <laughs> makes really amazing feminist films. Um, and she made one called how to lose your virginity, um, which is about the, uh, basically virginity is a lie, but how we foist it upon folks and about purity culture. And it's wonderful. And I think you can actually watch it online. Um, uh, so, and my, it was weird. Like I had a friend who was actually her intern and stuff. So I was, she was on my radar and, um, I had been writing a lot about being child-free in the Jewish press, which you can imagine was like a real good time. Um, <laughs> but I was writing a lot about it and I cannot remember how we connected, but I, I remember in, I think it was in 2016 that we had had, um, I'm actually going to look it up because we did talk about it. Uh, we just had this like very long, like delightful meeting where we talked about being child-free and what was fucked up about it and people um and why it was so um so thorny uh but also like just I just remember being like you and I like I, I you're this you're the person that I have been looking for mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know you have this amazing creative life and you're just like you're just doing you're just doing this you're living you're living you're right. living um, but I, back in 2016, I think was when we talked and I, I think I was the first person that she talked to research wise about the film. Um, and then she came to my house and, um, interviewed me while my cats ran around <laughs> and we talked about, we talked about that. So, um, yeah, I think it was, she'd been reading my stuff and we just, we connected that way. That's awesome. What's it like? Is she is she child free by choice? Yep. Or yeah. Okay. Yep. What's it like to appear in a documentary like this? Oh my god. We had to shoot my stuff like twice, I think, because it was so hot. <laughs> it, it was so hot that day. One of the days, I just like can't, I sweat like a beast, and it was really like in my house, and it was like thousand degrees and we don't have air conditioning on our first floor and it was just really like oh. um so she came back again and we did it, it was great. um so it was, it was stressful I don't know it was it was it was stressful but um it was really you know it just I, I think it felt so good because I wasn't on the defensive about it mm. like I was talking to a human who I felt seen by and whom I saw and I could say things and it wasn't going to be like, I don't know. I didn't have to defend who I was. Yeah. She was like, I'm there, you know, I get it. This is, you know, this isn't, this isn't weird, right? You're not a, you didn't right. do something wrong. Right. You know, there's um, no judgment. There's yeah. no judgment. And she's just such a fucking delightful creature. Like she just, I just really, I feel really lucky that I met her and that we've, that I've been able to be like a thought partner in yeah. this with her. It's just really fun. And what does it what does it mean to you to be in a film like this that is going to represent a whole bunch of people who may not have been seen in this way before, or yeah. not uh, been seen in a way that is a maybe a, a proactive, positive 
positioning of their stories. Yeah. Well, okay, so so we shot my stuff like twenty in twenty sixteen. So like I have no idea what I said or like <laughs> what yeah. I, I what I looked like or what was happening. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of really terrified to like exp- to like watch myself. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. But that's not what you ask. Um, you know, I I haven't really I haven't really thought about it in in terms of like the responsibility that mm-hmm. it actually does have with it. I guess I hope that that I'm seeing, I don't hope, I know that I said things and that I continue to say things that both wake people up and disturb them, um, but also create like space for people. Like all I, all I want is for people to like, be able to, to like be in their potential, like actualize their potential. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I want people to be, to to be able to question themselves and like the world around them and really do this like deep scary dive into like why why do you want the things that you want i want people to to be able to ask questions like that of themselves um and with this film i really hope that people will watch it and, and and recognize themselves and and really feel like you know it's okay. It's not just okay. Right. It's not just like, you know, tolerance. Like I don't like that yeah. word at all. It's gross, but, um, uh, not tolerance, but like living, living your life outside of confinement. Yeah. You know, you don't have to do what everybody else. It's so It's so basic. It's like parents are like, you be yourself, you know, like, but I think when we are ourselves, people get a little freaked out. Like there's a line for being yourself. Um, right. Don't take it too far. Uh, so, I mean, I hope that that is what I can convey, what I did convey in the film. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. thinking. <sighs> Like in a like in a a positive effect of a film like this would be um, somebody who mm. has never thought about this, right? Walking away saying, "I'm never going to ask another woman again." Do you have kids? Like, mm-hmm. a, it's none of your fucking business. B, <laughs> like, what? You know, I'm just thinking about. It's like attempting, in some ways, to put a cage around somebody, right? And that's that is just not. It's not cool, man. No, cool. you know, I'm just sorry. I'm trying to draw. Par- I'm trying to draw parallels where I can. Like mm-hmm. years ago, I stopped asking people, "What do you do for a living?" Uh, and I start. I have started asking people that I've never met before, like, "What do you like to do for fun?" Yep. Right, because be- because we have this we have this conception that what you do for work is who you are, and are, it's yep. wh- what you're value is as a person right like that's mm-hmm. one of the ways we value people and like w- what i'm hearing from experts like you chanel and i can't wait to see this film from therese um my so-called selfish life what what, what i'm hearing is we we build up these constructs that place value where it, on a person where you know we don't have any right to do that mm-hmm. right and it's the wrong it's a wrong thing to be putting um, 
value into in that it way. The expectations. Right. right. I don't know. Expectations right. of people you've not, you don't have any right. It's judgments, preconceived judgments right. and notions and your own biases yeah. and, and, and all of mm. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that. I really, I hope that too, that, that people who aren't child-free, uh, walk, walk away, um, with, I think of, with a, with a better understanding of like, uh, why not just like, don't say that anymore, but like yeah. why, right. Why you shouldn't say that, why you shouldn't ask that, um, why that's, I mean, I think people do look for that in each other, right? Like I'm looking for always for, for women who, other women who don't have kids for like other, uh, you know, among things that I hope to see in other people, but like, you know, not just, uh, not like people were always looking for points of connection. Um, and this is a point of connection, but it's a point of connection that has really soured. It's not just about connection anymore. It's, it's, it's gotten really ugly. Yeah. It's like, you don't know how to connect with somebody because it's, I think people think it's kind of like an affront to them. Like this person doesn't have kids. I have kids. Therefore this person who doesn't have kids must think that I am just like the worst or they must, you know, there's, um, yeah. Yeah. One thing, one thing I'm wondering about if you can shed any insight onto is I imagine because of the the social pressures and expectations there are women who um get into relationships or you know or or, or yeah. coupling situations or maybe other types of um partnerships um and they haven't been able to have the conversation with their partner or partners about their feelings about children. And so I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about the um, impact that being in a relationship can have on somebody who might want to be child-free by choice. Yeah. It, it's, uh, you don't know that I was nodding aggressively. <laughs> uh, well, so my friend Lily Marcus, who's a, uh, the travel editor at CNN in Asia um, and is amazing, um, wrote an article actually for, I believe it was Glamour, about being in this relationship for a really long time with a guy who uh, who sort of didn't believe her mm. when she said she didn't want to have kids. Mm. And they ultimately broke up. Um, but I think that this happens all the time. And what I really hope that people, you know, another thing that could potentially be taken from the film is like, you have to talk about this shit up front. Mm -hmm. I really, I really believe in this. And like, just my, for personal experience, I mean, you guys know my partner. Um, You know, I think there was a minute where we were like, kids, that sounds like, Mm -hmm. sure. You know, really Mm -hmm. amorphous, not really serious about it. Um, And then over our time together, we're both like, yeah, no, like, no. Like we both sort of Mm -hmm. got, real about it to each other we were like no no really no yeah. <laughs> they're like it's it's a, that's anathema to like our existence as humans to like be to be parents or mm. be uh care i don't know yeah um to not be alone making right. stuff right uh so and as a couple yeah. as a couple um who has made that decision together um do you do you face do you face challenges? Like, do you find yourself having to explain to people, um, or, or or other challenges? 
<laughs> well, I think, you know, I think uh, there's been a couple of times where like a family member has been like, it's not too late. And we're like, no, it's kind of too late. Like <laughs> emotionally it's too late. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, there's, 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 that's happened a couple of times. I think people, and this is not about being child free, but you know, in terms of like sort of unconventional choices, like we don't live together. Um, we live in different States. In fact, uh, I think there's, I've had to, to sort of, um, uh, tackle more questions about why the, f- the fact that we don't live together than why we don't have kids. And I think that's because I'm pretty strident about not having kids. So people mm-hmm. sort of like, know they're like, don't talk to her. She, you know, don't ask. Um, but I think that, I think that people don't talk about that uh, in a real way because there's, I don't know, this is like this idea that like, A, everyone wants kids, right? So you don't have to talk about that. Right. Um, and B that like, you know, you wait a little bit, like, you know, that whole, this whole like really toxic trope where it's like, you know, this woman who just like really wants to get married immediately and have kids immediately. And she's like a leech and she's got to get a guy before she's like 32 or something like mm-hmm. that whole, like disgusting misogynistic trope. Um, so I think women may back off from asking that question because they don't want to bring that up and then be like a caricature or whatever, you know, they like stay away from that. That's weird. And, or that it's like distinctly unsexy. It's like talking about money with your partner. You don't talk about money with your partner. Right. So like, um, and I also think like, you know, if you, uh, part of Lilith's article, if I remember correctly is about, um, the fact that in Jewish dating, this is not a thing. Right. Like you don't, right. You don't find largely Jewish men. And I think you have one exception. I'm very glad he's alive. Uh, you don't find Jewish men who are committed to a Jewish identity who are also child-free. Huh. It's like not a thing. I have yeah. one name of a dude that I love. Who's really like, you know, who's, who is, who is child free and observant. Um, but you don't find the idea that you don't find it. Mm. And it's, you know, it's like this thing is like those, no, no, those people exist. We're just not creating the space where they feel they can be. Right. And I'm thinking stomping Jen, we talked about it, I think pretty early on about about whether or not we wanted to have kids. Yeah. And, you know, part of, you know, part of my, part of my reticence or any, any hesitancy I had was kind of, um, fomented in my um, the traumas and anxiety I experienced as a child, right? Yep. And I was yep. confident I could deal with those things. And like, I like children, like that's just me. Like, and so I went into therapy, like before we had kids, like specifically mm-hmm. with the goal of saying I'm going to address these things. Like, right, right. This will help me be a better parent. Mm-hmm. That that was, you know, my choice, the path I wanted to take. But what I'm reflecting on is how difficult like it would have felt i think as a couple who if we were committed to not having kids having you know family pressures mm-hmm. um you know and we waited a long time i know and we you know um got in and i hope your 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 family knows how much i love them you know but we received <laughs> a lot of pressure yeah, yeah. like and yeah. and i am just reflecting on what a terrible situation that would have been if we both of us or one of us decided we didn't really want to have children and like, right. and how hard that would have been to navigate. Yeah. Um, 
That's all. And and I, I can only imagine. So talk, people. Talk, talk, well, like, talk. You know, I think that there's this, again, this is where we were talking about assumptions and, and like negative stuff around being child-free, right? I think in a relationship where one person doesn't want kids and the other person does, I think there's this tension where it's like one of them thinks that the other one is going to change their mind. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, it's, I would wager it's always that the person who does expects the one who does not to change their mind. Yes. And then when they don't change their mind, what do you do? Yeah. There's a fantastic um, uh, researcher named Ann Davidman who does this. Her work is rad. I'll I'll give you guys a link. Um, she, She works with women and couples about this decision to have children. Like, do they want to? Um, how do you like navigate that in a relationship? How do you make the decision? Um, and she, she does like groups, with couples, groups with, with women, I think groups with men too about, uh, yeah, just about like coming to that decision and what do you do? Um, yeah. how do you, how do you live in a space where, how do you live mm-hmm. in that like liminal space where it's like, I think I'm, you're going to change your mind. You're not going to change your mind. How do you have a relationship? Mm-hmm. It's so funny. Um, like I, I think about this topic specifically and um, I no longer watch the show, but Grey's Anatomy had like a whole storyline that addressed this, like where yeah. there was a woman on the show that did not want to have children and she got into a relationship. And I think the husband assumed she would change her mind. How did the story pressured her? Yeah. She did... left him. Oh, okay. She was like, no, don't want to have children. Good and for you the, do. Good for the show to stand by that character and yeah. her decision. I think that's a really good thing. Um, I'm going to carefully relay that I know of some people who, um, a, um, a couple who are firm in their child free by choice, um, decisions and, um, received medical sterilization. Ah, yes. Mm Um, I'm deliberately, I'm deliberately not identifying the gender of these people, but, mm-hmm. um, they're a couple and they both did this. And, um, I think I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. And if you have anything to say about it. Yeah, there's a, in the film, there's at least one person who, uh, goes through a long process of trying to become sterilized. Um, and, uh, it's, it's a lot. Um, she's a, a cisgendered woman, um, who is, I think 25 when mm-hmm. she starts. I'm not, I don't totally remember her age, but she's in the film. Um, I mean, it's incredibly hard. Uh, it's incredibly hard because, uh, I think there's some legal stuff around it. Like a doctor, doctors are really reticent about performing sterilization because like, what if you come back to them in like 10 years and you're like, just kidding, you know, like, but you did it. Like there's all this, I don't know, we lived in a um, litigious society or whatever. Um, So there's that piece, but there's also very much this idea that like, if you're 25, you couldn't possibly know what you want. So like when you're third, you know, you, Mm -hmm. you will regret it. So like, I can't do it now. Um, why don't you go on this IUD or why don't you take this, this other thing, um, instead of just in case that whole narrative, uh, there's a lot of cases I've heard of where like, if you're married, you have to get your husband's permission. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because 
Yeah, oh. that would happen to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and what's interesting yeah. in in a in, and I think in a rare um, I don't know what this says about this, but in a rare instance, I think of um, uh, of the patriarchy not winning, <laughs> right? Like I mm-hmm. I was I was medically sterilized. Um, I had to get Jen's permission. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, right. You know, which was an incredibly strange yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as though, as though people cannot make a decision for themselves without exactly. quote unquote regretting it, as Chanel just said, right? Yeah. Like when fearful of being sued later by the doctor. Mm-hmm. To I mean that the doctor will get sued for doing it, performing yeah. it. Yeah, I think regret regret is such a big part of this whole child-free narrative. Like people are really really worried for us that we're going to regret it. And it just makes me it's just kind of hilarious cuz like do you want me to regret an entire human being being created mm-hmm. or do you want me to regret making a decision that I made out of my own mind? Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's really, it's really regret it. People are really fucked up about regret. Yeah. Yeah. They well, really don't know how to handle it. And and that like just speaking about regret, like when we mm-hmm. when when Sawtooth decided to um get a vasectomy, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, we always said, well, you know, if we decided that we wanted to have more children down the line, then we could pursue adoption or some other alternative right. method yeah. of having right. more children. Right. You can get that shit reversed, right? Didn't Michael Scott get his, he like, <laughs> yeah, you, well, you got it reversed and then re-reversed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. I'm not going through that again. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I will say too, that there are, uh, some, some good things are happening around that. Um, there are a lot of, uh, a lot of folks who are seeking sterilization or writing about it. There's a lot more media representation. Mm-hmm. Um, and at one point, I don't know if this is true, if this is still true. Therese told me that there was uh, a place on, maybe it was, I can't remember if it was Therese or Lilith, but someone told me, um, someone who knows their shit around this told me that uh, there was a, a Reddit page or a Reddit area site thing um, where people were listing doctors who were willing to sterilize Mm. without going through all this shit. Right. Mm. Um, But I think it's just an example, another example of how, how messed up we are about uh, women's bodies. Right. Pro-choice. This this real need to control. And another area where we really are, uh, where regret is like, we're really obsessed with the idea of regret is also around abortion. Like mm-hmm. you will regret your abortion is a narrative that I combat in my other work all of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you could not possibly be happy or right. relieved or joyful or anything other than miserable after you opt out of being pregnant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it's important to just keep in mind that this is a, this is a spectrum, right? Yeah. This is a really shitty spectrum yeah. <laughs> that we are on. But not only that, like I think about choice also when I think about, you know, medical decisions, you know, like when you think about end of life Mm -hmm. and uh, somebody who's terminally ill and wants to, you know, not be alive anymore, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And that. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So I imagine there could be people listening to this women who are contemplating a child free by choice life um, or who are. And 
um, could use additional support or resources. Are there yeah. resources and help available for um, women who are thinking about making this choice or who have made this choice and don't feel like yes. they're supported enough? 1,000%. So yeah. there, um, I'm looking at some things. Uh, so, I mean, one place, obviously, is the film, which will be out this year. Yep. Um, it's done. Uh, it's in the, the state, late stages of being done. Um, so that will be out and available. Um, and I, in that film, you can... In the, in the film, you can find a lot of uh, humans and organizations and, and folks to connect with. And there, there's a resource page on the site for the film, um, mm-hmm. myselfishlife.com. Um, Facebook is actually a really good place to find um, other child-free humans. Mm-hmm. Um, there are uh, a bunch of podcasts that are out now. One of them is um, Child, I believe it's called Child-Free Girls. Um, there's one I'm going to look up right now, which is a podcast, um, where they interview child-free women in every episode. Um, let me think what else, uh, so so what I'm here, what I'm, what I'm hearing is, um, so just to, just to. Um, recap. Recap. Thank you, Stomp yeah. Jen. Um, so, my so-called selfish life. Their webpage has a great resources um, page, and even if you Google, um, I think if you Google support for child-free choice, you'll see lots of stuff come up on the web, including podcasts, uh, yeah. other Facebook, groups. Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Reddit, the Reddit community. Yep. I think um, mm-hmm. too. You know, I haven't done this in a while, but I used to go on Twitter and look at the hashtag child free, um, you know, and more and more people are talking about it. I think like we've created this, mm-hmm. um, this we've, we've opened a space where you can talk about this stuff now yeah. um, and name it. And, um, and it's easier to connect with people yeah. Yeah. Uh, around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Um, I want to ask you, um, and uh, before I transition, just thank you for your work mm-hmm. in this area. And I'm really, I'm really looking forward to um, seeing you in this film. So <laughs> I can't wait to see it. My so-called selfish life. Yeah. Yeah. By Therese Schechter. 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 Yes. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> um, so I do want to point out to people: this is not the first kind of social project that you've been involved with or had going. You had a project going on for a while called the Marriage Project. Did you want to tell us anything about that? Sure. You know, I haven't, I've been thinking about this. I think it's like pandemic is like making me think about the past and the future, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, I can't remember when I started this, but I had this idea. I think it was born out of a similar frustration um, in that I, I knew no one who was not on this same path of baby marriage, you know, uh, it was, I was feeling really intensely angry about, uh, just this like lack of what I perceived as like this lack of imagination. And I really wanted to know, like, why are we doing this? Like as women, why are we doing this? Um, why do we make the decisions within the marriage? Uh, uh, I don't know the, 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 uh, what is the word I want? Oh my God. Uh, 
institute, thank you, institution of marriage. Why do we do like name changing, mm-hmm. um, engagement rituals, like that, all that kind of stuff. Like why do that? Yeah. So I interviewed a bunch of women about why they did it. And I asked them a bunch of questions and it's somewhere on the internet. I will try to find it again. Um, can I just say I was yeah. Googling um, the marriage project to see mm. if I could find y- your your older web presence that I remember. Yeah. And what came up was a fundamentalist Christian pro-marriage website. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was just I need funny. to change the name. Probably should change the name if I'm going to actually do anything with it. But uh, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It just was ironic to me. I was I like, oh, It is no. ironic. It yeah. is ironic. All right. Sorry. Um, So what did you, what did you learn? What did you, what did you, what did you, what are the takeaways from the marriage project? I should say first that I, I've been think I realize that like the reason I've been thinking about it lately is not actually because it's sort of about the pandemic, but like, just because I wonder uh, what, because we're all sort of like in our houses, like cooking with each other now, literally, and also like emotionally, um, what is, what does that do to a relationship? when you're like alone together, you're potting together, all this stuff. So I've sort of been thinking about revisiting it in that, in that context. Yeah. What did I find out? I mean, I found out a lot of really kind of disturbing stuff um, that is not that surprising in light of um, the child free piece, which is that I ran into a lot of people who really genuinely did not think about what they were doing. Um, It was again, an assignment and not an option to get Mm -hmm. married. It was expected. Um, It was a way to make a family. Uh, It was, it was the logical, uh, it was the next step in the relationship because you don't do things like live together infinitely. You know, you don't live two separate lives. You're not like 48 with a boyfriend, which like, fuck you be 48 with a boyfriend. Great. Um, You know uh, so there, so I found out a lot of, a lot of that kind of information that like, you know, changing your name was something that like was seen as a gift to your partner. Um, it was a, it was an expression of commitment. Mm. Uh, I found out. Yeah. A lot of that stuff, a lot of like, you know, uh, religious stuff, right? Like this is what you, this is a marriage is a piece of religious practice. Uh yeah, a lot of expected stuff, mm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, I think, you know, I'll say this, the, sh- the most shocking thing was that I thought the questions that I was asking were like kind of basic, you know? Yeah. But almost everybody I interviewed was like, I've never thought about this before. No one has ever asked me this. Huh. And I was like, that really tripped me up for like a couple of days, <laughs> to yeah. be honest. You know, like you didn't think about like why you're getting married. It's, you know, it's along the same lines of why, like people, to bring it back to the child-free thing for a second, like, yeah, that it's totally fine for people to ask child-free people why they don't have kids or why they don't want kids or like kids or whatever. That seems like it's a totally appropriate question, but it is not okay when you turn it around. People do not, in my experience, like to be asked why they had children. That is like an offensive question. Um, So it feels a little bit in that, in that zone with the asking people why they got married. It was sort of like, I didn't, I didn't think about that. I just got, what do you mean? Why? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's so interesting. When we were like getting ready, sorry to bring it back again. Like no, bring it up. We were we were telling our kids like we were going to talk to you tonight about this topic, and they were like, "Well, why did you have kids?" We, were like, we never really like. How do you explain to your children why 
Yeah, <laughs> we decided to have you. Yeah, well, right, right. I love that they ask you that, though. That's like, you know, of course we should, of course we should be, we should not be afraid to ask people that. I don't yeah. think that's, you know, like you have to, if I have to answer to you, you have to answer to me. As far as yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. 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 Um, so what's, um? are you going to revive it? Are you going to go back to the marriage project? I don't know. I mean, I, yeah. I think probably there's a lot of interviews in there. I think there's like 150. Yeah. Wow. Um, and I was really obsessed with it for a while. And I think, um, I think it would make sense to return to, I'm not sure what I would, mm-hmm. other than the pandemic piece, I'm not really sure what I would do with it, but yeah. I think um, it would be interesting to follow up with people to see if they're still married or if they're still engaged or if they got married, you know. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. That yeah. would be interesting. The marriage project. Yeah. 10 years yeah. later. 10 years later with a new name. Cause I'm, I, I don't not the, not the marriage. Want project. To be a, I don't want to be a fundamentalist Christian. Right. We <laughs> also mentioned, um, I think, and you did too, that you are a writer, um, a freelance writer, but you're also working on a novel. Anything you yeah. want to, anything you want to say about that? Uh, <laughs> sure. Uh, I'm still writing the novel. I've been writing it for a long time. It's, it's been in different iterations. I think now is the one, uh, that is really, um, is really the book that it, it's supposed to be. Mm. Uh, it's about some American Jews, uh, who, uh, there's seven characters at this seven or six, seven. Yeah. Uh, some are American, some are Israelis, um, but the main sort of bodies are these American Jews who uh, get married and move to Israel in the early 1980s. Um, and it's a lot of grappling with religion and with uh, with war and terrorism and occupation and political, um, sort of like negotiating a political and a religious identity. Mm-hmm. Uh and sort of questioning there's there's a, a deep probing of like what it means to be a leftist who is religious and a leftist who sort of believes in this entity that's the state of Israel um that is not necessarily kind um so it, yeah it's I mean it's about identity it's about what it means when your home is uh your home is uh negotiable mm. or your, your home is uh it feels like it's not your home but it is your home and did, did being, you did you pick yeah. that point in time for a particular reason oh in the early 1980s it, yeah. it's so it starts in the 80s and it leads up to it ends uh in 2017 which is the 50th anniversary of the occupation of gaza and the west bank uh so i picked that I picked the I picked the starting point because it I was basically like just moving around in time and, and these protagonists were born at this time and so they would arrive at this point. Mm-hmm. And one protagonist was born in 1986, so it was sort of like a backwards thing. But a lot of the story, a lot of the book, uh, takes place between 2003 and 2017, which is when I was in Israel a lot. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of right. memory, my own okay. memory involved in there. That so, makes sense. Yeah. Okay. I look forward to reading it. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> All right. We've got a couple of real softball questions Wait, for you. Wait, before you, you go okay. to the softball questions. Oh, thank you, Stomping Jen. You always help me here. <laughs> Why don't you go ahead? Um, so before we move on to softball questions, is yeah. there any topic or subject or thing you want to talk about before we 
move to the softball questions? Um, yeah, in in the film, let's go back to the film. Um, I think one of the great things about the film is that it really uh, illuminates the difference between reproductive rights and reproductive justice. Um, and so just to explain that quickly, reproductive rights is like your basic, like, people should have access to abortion, mm-hmm. right? People should have access to maternal health care. Um, it's sort of the more, you know, it's like the the sort of the traditionally pro-choice right. movement, right? Planned Parenthood, right. mayoral, et cetera. Birth control right? stuff. Yeah. Birth control, yep. base, it's kind of basic. Yeah. yeah. Um, reproductive justice is an idea that was um, birthed really by uh, women of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's this idea that, there, that the repro- that we deserve to have uh, access and health and safety all across the reproductive spectrum. Mm-hmm. So you should be able to have access to abortion, doulas, um, you know, quality maternal health care. Uh, you should be able to, to uh, parent a child in a safe environment. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of intersection intersection with, uh, for example, like being a child of color in the world that we live in now where black people are not safe, right. not now, you know, mm-hmm. the world that exists where black folks and folks mm-hmm. of color are not safe. Um, so yeah, just to sort of like bring up the, the idea, the fact of those two things being, uh, examined in the film. And also just, uh, I don't think people really know about the notion of reproductive justice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it's important to, uh, just, bring it up and sort of let it, let it absorb into people's brains because it's more, uh, it's, I think it's getting more traction right. in the mm-hmm. world. Uh, but just, yeah, it's, it's in the film and, um, I think Therese does it really well. So yeah. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Anything else? No. All right. Let me, um, let me get my softballs um, out of the, the bag ball. here. All right. Um, all right. So, <laughs> Do I have softballs? You're doing a lot of important stuff. You're doing a lot of writing, appearing in documentaries. (laughs) What do you like to do um, for fun when you're not working? What you what what do you do when you're not considered when you're not working or writing? Oh shit! Okay, (laughs) I'm just gonna tell you because like you're my friends and the audience is my friends. I guess. Uh, Okay, two things I do are crossword puzzles. Um, which I love a lot, kind of embarrassingly. Um, what else do I do? I like to take pictures, mostly of things that don't move, as my partner pointed out to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like to take pictures of things that don't move. Uh, I like to walk in cities. It's like one of my favorite things to do. I like public transportation a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I like libraries. What else do I like? Um, I like really bad TV. Like unrepentantly bad TV. Yes. Um, which like, you know, everyone's like, oh, in the pandemic, I discovered reality TV. And I'm like, I think you could be a little bit more real with yourself that you were watching bad reality TV before the pandemic. Like, don't blame COVID for this. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, this is like be your be real, be your authentic self. Um what else? Uh, I what? like to read. <laughs> Reading. Like cats. Yep. Uh, I like cats. podcasts. Cats, podcasts. Like 
Um, yeah, that feels like. Can I ask you like, what you yeah. what you like about really bad TV? <laughs> like, what is the thing yes. that? What is the value proposition for you? There? I love. I love that. Okay. Um, it depends on the show, but I would say overall, it's really like just like this weird balm on my soul. It just makes me feel better. It's the materialism. It's like the inanity of what people fight about. Um, I think it's like, you know, I'm never going to be a real housewife. So like, what is it like? What's it like to go to lunch and fight with your friend and not eat lunch? (laughs) Right. There's always that. Um, Yeah. I, I think it's, it's just maybe like, you know, I, I I like to think that like one of the reasons I'm a writer is because I want to know what it's like to live a lot of different lives. And I think that's Mm. one of the reasons why I also like reality TV because it's like, there's nothing about this that's parallel to my life. These people have, they don't have money problems. You know what I mean? They don't, they, they're almost never like in any kind of like real peril. Right. You know, um, it's just soothing. I don't know. It's just, it makes me calm. <laughs> it's so, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, w- I love that. And I was just thinking, I was just thinking about TV and writing. We just finished Shit's Creek. I don't know if you watched oh, that. Yeah. I have not. It, it's, yes. it's so good. Like we tried, we tried watching it a few years back and I was like, no, this isn't for me. But then everybody in the world was like, Shit's Creek is awesome. It's the best mm-hmm. thing ever. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I'll try it. And that, that, that I really like want to look at the scripts or I would love to talk mm-hmm. to the team of writers. Cause they do this thing where over the six years, they like, they do this kind of writing where they slowly begin to invest you in these characters. Yeah. And by like the fifth or sixth season, I was like sitting there bawling my eyes out. Like every episode, <laughs> every episode, just ugly crying and sobbing and just something. I don't know. And I, I, never react that way to like sitcom type of shows. Yeah. There really is something very special about it. So I just want to recommend it to our listeners (laughs) and and to you too. That's a good left turn. I was was going to, you know, something I've been doing a lot during the pandemic. I know this isn't the question you asked. You didn't ask me what I was doing during the pandemic, but, uh, but what I've been doing a lot of lately is um, uh, a lot of Jewish learning with like communities online, which like, Mm. you know, which I wouldn't normally do in real life, I don't think, but there's just, I just, I like a good lecture. Mm -hmm. You know, I like, I really like, um, I really like nerding out on things and like, and I, I'm just really having a good time learning about liturgy and like, um, and thinking about like different, like Jewish sources and stuff. It's just, I just really like it. I've always liked it. And during this time, I'm like, Oh, I could do something with someone who lives in San Francisco Right. You know, like we're not, I'm not bound to like. Right. Open access. Yeah. Yeah. It's, which I just, I love it. It's so good. So yeah, yeah, I've been doing that a lot too. It's really kind of interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, Ready for your uh, final question. The final question. Let me, let me cue up, let me cue up the appropriate uh, music. Okay. All right. I know you listen to this podcast, so this is not going to come as a surprise (laughs) to you. Uh, All right. Um, What have you, what have you seen that you cannot explain. <sighs> okay. I've been thinking about this. Okay. And I really like haunted stuff. I really like ghost stories and all that stuff. Yeah. And I I don't think I've ever had like an experience that's sort of like a traditional 
and this is kind of really like maudlin, but I remember I haven't okay, I don't know that I that I've seen anything that I can't explain, but I know that I felt things that I can't explain. Can that count? Yes, absolutely. Really, yeah. So this is okay. So after my mom died, like right after she died when I was in college, I really felt like for the first 24 hours that she was like right here, like right next to my face, not, in a, mm-hmm. not in a creepy way, just like really like on my shoulder and not like a, not in a, like a angel kind of like, like fluffy sort of way, but like really genuinely like accompanying me yeah. through those first maybe like 24 hours. And I remember when she left and I was like, she's not here anymore. Like she's hmm. not, and she's heat, whatever, you know, she's not, I don't feel her around me anymore. Um, but it was really like, it was, yeah. it wasn't palpable, but it was really like, she was really like, she was really like, I felt her presence in a way that wasn't, wasn't creepy. It wasn't, um, really emotional even. It was just matter the of fact. fact of, yeah. yeah, it was, yeah, that's. Can I ask, have you felt yeah. that since? No. I have not felt it since. So interesting. Mm. Yeah, I know. It never, never. Although. Yeah, go ahead. I just realized. So like a couple days ago, no, I think it was maybe Christmas Eve or something like that. I was in this house and (laughs) the toothpaste fell off of the soap dish. And I was like, that shit is anchored on there. That is not going to fall. Like that's not going to fall. And for a second I was like, I wonder if that's my mom being like, bitch, I'm here. Like, you think I'm not around anymore, but, like, I actually am, like, periodically stepping in to just, like, let you know that I'm not gone. I'm, you know, I'm still, like, circling, whatever. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, I show up sometimes. So, anyway, yeah. That's, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. That was a good story. Thank you. Oh, good. Sorry, yeah. not story. That was a good experience. Oh, and I'm going to change. It was fine with story. And <laughs> and I'm glad we have a a professional writer on here because I'm changing the question oh. to what have you experienced that you cannot explain? Oh. Cool. See, mm. I can learn stomping jack. Oh, you can and make adjustments. Yes. Huh. Um, Got it. All right, um, Chanel Dubofsky, um, writer. Novelist, documentary <laughs> film participant. <sighs> what can awesome I say? Awesome person. Awesome person. Friend. Yes. What? What can I say? Thank you for appearing on here. Um, I had a great time. Um, Me too. I learned a lot. I'm glad we could uh, create some space for conversation about um, women who. People. Just well, women primarily, but uh, who decide to make the child-free choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but other people too. We did talk about other people, Stomping mm-hmm. Jen. That we is did. true. We did. Yep. Um, but I think it's important that we talk about these things and we can yeah. have a have a have a space to discuss discuss them. So thank you for being here. Um, thank you. I really appreciate I it. Um, yeah. Stomping Jen, would you like to say anything to Chanel? <laughs> or do you just want to continue to to pet this cat that's on your lap? Yes, I have a cat. Buddy. Yes. Um 
feel like you're putting me on the spot. I literally, I literally just put you on the spot. Oh, thank you, you so much. No, yeah. I appreciate you coming on, Chanel, and bringing up the awareness around this topic and all of that kind of good stuff. And um, echo what Sawtooth Frank has already said. And what else do you want me to say, Sawtooth Frank? <laughs> I. I- I'm leaving it up to you. Oh, okay. I'm just creating. Are we closing the show? Yes, I want to say. To Are we closing fan, the show? <laughs> Are you talking like Moira Rose? Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. To our fans. Yes. We love Thank you. you. Oh, you finally said it. I say without it all being the prompt, time. without being prompted. I'm proud of you. Uh huh. Um, Stomping Jen loves you. Yes. I love you. Thank you for listening. <laughs> yes. We have some really great stuff coming up. Yep. So stay tuned. And uh, be safe, wear yeah. a mask, be get safe. vaccinated. Yep. yep. Uh, what else? And uh, bye now. Yeah. Um, what Stomping Jen said. Bye now. Bye now. this world of ours, ever growing smaller, must avoid becoming a community of dreadful fear and hate. Those who have freedom will understand also its heavy responsibility. That all who are insensitive to the needs of others will learn charity, and that the sources, scourges of poverty, disease, and ignorance will be made disappear from the earth. And that in the goodness of time, all peoples will come to live together in a peace guaranteed 